Hello listeners, it's Lewis. Just a quick message before we start to say, you may have noticed that since dropping all five seasons of The Muppet Show on Disney Plus on February 19th, Disney has now decided to swap the order of episodes from its syndication order to its production order, which means that our first three episodes that we pre-recorded, including this one, are now not in the same order you would find them presented to you on Disney+. Plus. So, rather than find ourselves in a deficit, we decided we will post this week's episode covering Jim Neighbours, now episode 6, before resuming the season next week from the start in production order. Got that? No, us either. Anyway, we hope you enjoy the now not quite chronological, but still very explorational and conversational Muppetsational. Hello and welcome to Muppetsational, the Muppet Show podcast hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show now finally available on disney plus this week it's season one episode three starring the classic comedy star jim neighbors it's time to get things started on the chronological explorational conversational muppetsational hello everyone i'm jade turner i'm emma chandler and i'm lewis chandler oh so good to be back talking about this week's episode So for a brief introduction to the episode, it was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell and directed by Peter Harris. Jim Neighbours' episode was originally broadcast on the 26th of September 1976. It was the fourth episode shown in the original broadcast run, but it was actually production code lists it as the seventh episode made. And now Disney Plus have included it as episode three. So who knows? That's too many numbers for me. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, if you got a, a little bio quickly for us about Jim Neighbors himself? I do. Um, Jim Neighbors. Now, firstly, did either of you know who Jim Neighbors was before we started this episode? No, to be honest, I didn't know who he was. I have heard of Goma Pyle before. Like, that's a name that's in the consciousness of my pop culture knowledge, but I couldn't yes. really have told you anything about him or about the Andy Griffith show to be perfectly honest so same I'd come across Goma Pyle via the Simpsons but was not aware that it came from the Andy Griffith show or that Jim Neighbors played him frankly <laughs> but uh, Jim Neighbors was a prolific American sitcom star of both the Andy Griffith show and his own spin-off Goma Pyle USMC he's kind of like the Frasier of the 1950s and 1960s <laughs> he was on like one successful sitcom and then he got to have his own And uh, he then became, as I'm sure you might have picked up from this episode, a successful country singer. Because I don't know if you noticed, he's from the country. No. (laughs) Is is he a country boy? Uh, Is he? he? And not only is he a country boy, he's gay. Yay! (laughs) Yay for Jim Neighbours. I was quite indifferent to Jim Neighbours through most of this episode. And then I'm jumping ahead a little bit just to mention this about his homosexuality. In his chat with Kermit, he had a certain effect way about him. And then he mentioned star signs. And I was like, that is a homosexual man. <laughs> I was like, as soon as he mentioned star like, I'm signs. I'm sure of it. <laughs> yeah. And what did I do as soon as this episode was over? I rushed to Wikipedia and I scrolled down to everybody's favourite part of the Wikipedia page, the personal life page. And it's confirmed that he'd had a partner. Now, let me just double check this again. I want to get this right. For like 38 years. Oh, I know. And they married as soon as they were uh, legally allowed to. But also there's a great bit just underneath after his actual relationship says alleged relationship with Rock Hudson, which is just, <gasps> oh, 
Ooh. No, but they didn't, oh, no. Emma. They didn't. But it was quite. Oh, it's, no. they were just friends. It's quite funny because basically they invited everyone to this party that they had in Huntington Beach, and they said it was going to be the marriage of the two of them. And uh, the reason they said that was because Rock was going to take Goma Pyle's name, and he was going to be Rock Pyle, which is hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I was somewhat indifferent to this episode, Kel Surprise. But as soon as I found out he was gay, I was like, good for Jim Neighbours. <laughs> I kind of feel the same. And I, I feel like when I found out a little bit more about him, I suppose it kind of gave credence to the sincere country boy persona, which kind of felt quite forced. And like, they just kept banging on about him oh, being this country boy and having the split personality of an opera singer and a sitcom star. But then actually reading about him, I'm like, oh, maybe it's all true. He's like the 1960 equivalent of Lil Nas X. It's a <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Orville Peck. But um, no, I, I, I softened to him quite a lot, actually. I don't know about you two. I was a bit worried about like actually having a, a male host after our first two episodes have been women because... Obviously, the Muppets as a group are quite lacking in female characters. So having a female guest anchor the show always gives it a, well, just a bit more of a, a wider source of energy. You've got like masculine energy and feminine energy there. But, you know, the first man was gay. So it was, uh, I got everything I wanted, basically. I only want to exist in a world with women and gay men. So, and Muppets, obviously. I was thinking the same as you, which is something we haven't really spoken about on the podcast yet, is how male-heavy the Muppet cast kind of typically is. But because we haven't needed mm. to, because we've had the female guest stars. But now with a male guest star, yeah. I was the same. I was like, oh, and, and I kind of realised that actually the... Other than Hilda, who we will talk about, by the way. Is that what that old lady yes, Muppet is called? Yes. <laughs> that is Hilda, and we'll get to Hilda. Oh, we finally <laughs> have a name. But other than other than Hilda, you know, you've got Piggy and then like the little Muppet who gets her wig blown off. Basically, most of the female Muppets in this episode are just throwing themselves at Jim Neighbours. Which... Like, that's kind of all it is isn't there it? is nothing more old hollywood <laughs> than miss piggy throwing herself at a gay man <laughs> it's a gay man <laughs> like, it's so it's like judy and liza they all have to have a gay husband at some point <laughs> carrie fisher didn't wait did debbie reynolds no carrie fisher had the gay husband <laughs> just like, this is too... actually that was another sign for me that i was like i'm sure this man is gay because miss piggy is throwing herself at him <laughs> He has to be homosexual. It's Vincent Minnelli all over again. Oh, so shall we get into it? I want to start yes. this week by talking about the intro because we haven't spoken about the Muppet Show intro yet, which... Jade, do you mean the intro or do you mean the content warning that came before the intro? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I'd, I'd not forgotten <laughs> about the content warning, but uh, yeah, let's, let's mention the content warning. Yeah, uh... I mean, it was needed. It was. It I was, was definitely yeah. needed. Sitting there, like, slightly <laughs> terrified at what I the was hell as was... well. I was like, oh, God, what's coming? And I, I had sort of guessed, as soon as we sort of got into the country vibe, I was like, is it going to be Native Americans? Because I sort of... <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> Cowboys and Native Americans do seem to go together quite a lot. And, yep, I was right. <laughs> But bizarrely, not in any of his sketches. Yeah. Just in the little Wayne and Wanda throwaway segment. 
And and I also I kind of got blindsided because I really liked Wanda's dress and I was really like really appreciating her dress. Oh, Jay! And then all of a sudden, <laughs> popped out of the side of the screen. I was like, oh, yeah, there we go. That's the that's the content warning. That's that's where that's come from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I wonder how many more of those we're going to get over the next five seasons. I feel probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is the 70s, so... <laughs> it is the 70s. I suppose maybe maybe it was as simple as them thinking like, oh, we're doing a kind of country and western cowboy episode. Like, exactly like you said, Lewis, we need to play on those, or we can play on those stereotypes. Well, at least it was brief. It was not appropriate, but at least it was brief. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about the introduction. <laughs> The actual introduction, yes. which I don't think needs a content warning. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I mean, obviously it's the first season, so you know it's not going to be the full-on huge Muppet celebration that we kind of associate with the Muppet Show opening. But it's still a lot of fun when you, you just hear that music and you see the chorus girls, including Miss Piggy, coming across the stage. Mm. It obviously really gets you in the mood for the show, doesn't it? And I mean, it always brings a smile to my face. But... I do find it quite funny that it is quite lo-fi compared to what we kind of think of. Yeah. And when you get to the end with the rising the tiered, three-tiered cake, yeah. Cake and you've got the muppets on the end that literally aren't moving at all. Just I was going to say they're not moving, are they? Up and down. I think they have one electronic arm that raises up for the finale on one side. It's like <laughs> yeah. the worst kind of like Walt Disney imagineering yes. like it's a small world after all. Like they have one range of movement and that's it. <laughs> It's like it's a small world when the animatronic is slightly broken. Yeah, just like... but they can't afford to shut down the ride because it's too much of a people eater. So they need to keep it going. It's like, sorry, Malaysia isn't working right now, but please enjoy the other. <laughs> enjoy the rest of the world. I find it a little bit creepy when you get to the end, the end of it, and you've just got some of those Muppets that look a little bit dead inside. Busted Muppets. And they're just like waving, waving. Yeah. Although we got our first um, variation on the Gonzo hitting the O joke, because today he hit himself, mm-hmm. which, again, is not surprising, considering how he looks like he hasn't gone to bed. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that he didn't have the gong. So he was like, the only thing I could possibly do is hit myself in this situation. I have to hit something. <laughs> Look, the pressure and demands of being on stage, if you find oneself with or without a prop, you have to just improvise and make do. I once did a scene on stage where I was meant to bring on a book that was a prop for an entire scene, and I did not have it, so I just held my hands behind my back and tried not to laugh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> or the worst one, I was in an Agatha Christie play where a newspaper was meant to be a vital prop that drove a lot of dialogue for the subsequent scene and there's no scene breaks in the second act and that newspaper just wasn't there. So me <gasps> and the other actress on stage, who was the understudy who had come on that day <laughs> because the lead actress was sick, had to improvise Agatha Christie for about <laughs> six lines. It was the most terrifying thing. We were in front of like eight or 900 people in Manchester. It was... <sighs> anyway, so I think Gonzo coped admirably well and I would have done exactly the same. Well done, Gonzo and Lewis. Thank you. That's all I wanted, actually. <laughs> what a shock. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, it was... It was funny to see him hit himself. I, I like he kind of, I don't know. It wasn't quite vibrating, but he kind of wobbled afterwards yeah. with the shock of it, which 
I thought was quite amusing. And especially with Gonzo, with all of his current plumage of hair at the back, like it all sort of vibrated a bit, which was pretty funny. In this episode, we get introduced to Scooter, although I suppose he was in the episode we saw previously with Sandy Duncan. (laughs) So it's a kind of a little bit out of context, but he's cute. Oh, variety show running. (laughs) Yeah, I love it that he comes on and he's got his whole gopher, gopher coffee. I love that he's already got Muppet Show merch. His jacket is a Muppet Show jacket. Like, he didn't even have the job. Where's he got the jacket from? Like, he's just rocked up in this Muppet Show jacket and is like, yes, if I wear the correct attire, they will definitely have to give it to me. Then there's the whole thing with his uncle, Benny Vandergast, Memorial Theatre, and that the Muppets owe three months back rent, which is why Kermit can't say no to him. Just like, oh, my life. Uh, I'm not going to lie. This episode made me deeply resent Scooter. <laughs> what for having for having Benny Vandergrast? Privilege, <laughs> connections, forces himself into a job because of who he knows. Like it's all the worst things about this industry, Jade and Emma. Like it's all of the stuff that I hate. <laughs> like it's every reason that we have the same fifteen like high cheekboned like male British actors because they all went to the same freaking school and they all know the same freaking people and. It's just, it made me really hate Scooter. He is a product of privilege and connection. (laughs) Oh, I don't think I can hate Scooter, but... Neither did I, but here we are, Jane. This is where I find myself. (laughs) Maybe it's because I haven't worked in a year because of this pandemic, but like, I was like, this is everything that's wrong with (laughs) theatre. Oh, like he only got in there because his uncle owned the theatre. Like it's, oh, he's like, oh, what is um Ben Schwartz's character in Parks and Rec? Oh, oh John, John Ralphio. Ralphio. Yeah, it's literally he's like a chaotic good version of John Ralphio, <laughs> <laughs> where he just comes in complete with like the proper like what's it called bomber jacket and everything. <laughs> like all he was missing was like a like campy scarf, and just to be like singing everything. <laughs> just. Yeah, so I'm afraid uh, the more that we sort of dug into Scooter's backstory, I just got madder and madder. Yes, he did prove himself (laughs) indispensable, but his foot got in the door for the wrong reasons. I'm sorry. I suppose sort of like zooming out a little bit, like it's kind of interesting that they decided that they were going to bring in this interny gopher character and then they were still going to play on the fact that he's connected and that he's got this privilege like for the 70s that feels quite kind of pointed and and it means it's been in this damn thing for generations it means that it's never changed forever 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 <laughs> sorry i'm just breathe I'm lewis just breathe it's okay stupid scooter it's do you okay. need to take five <laughs> no i'm fine thank you <laughs> But but once you got over the uh, the rage, the the shock and the rage. I mean, I kind of felt like the whole. I like. I mean, I was very grateful for Scooter being introduced, and I actually really enjoyed what he was doing on screen. But the kind of the running joke of owing the back money and like having to bow down to his mm-hmm. uncle and everything, it got quite old quite quickly. Because again, it was just sort of that one note of your uncle owns the theatre, like, we just have to work with that. And it also confused me as to why they don't just use all the money they get from the end of the Dr. Teeth number. That also has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> like, we have an otherwise completely, like, country, you know, episode, and then at the beginning we have Dr. Teeth, like, dressed like a pimp, <laughs> playing a sort of jazzy piano number where he suddenly gets a bunch of cash out of the 
standing piano. <laughs> it's just, to be fair. Use that money and we don't have to hire a scooter. Kermit afterwards did tell Hilda to, to make sure that she kept that money. So maybe he was going to use that money for the rent. Then why do we need to hire a scooter? <laughs> Too many questions, Lewis. Too many questions. <laughs> not enough answers. Too many long runners and not enough <laughs> holding people account. That's what we need. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed the Dr. Teeth number for, for what it was, but it was not in keeping with the rest of the episode at all. Yeah, it just, it didn't kind of make any, like when I first saw it, I was like, so what vibe are we going for for this this episode? You know, especially when he said, Buckets full of ducats. I was like, what? <laughs> what is happening? And it was also strange not to have the guest mm. in the first big number. Like, it was like it had just been sort of popped in at the beginning because it wouldn't make sense anywhere else once we got into, like, you know, back on the farm. Like, it's like, so we've got to chuck this up at the beginning because otherwise it's going to jar with the rest of the episode. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was like we need to put it at the start because... It's almost then, like, once you get into all the country stuff, you've sort of forgotten that you've had that jangly Dr. Teeth number. Yeah. I did like his arms, though. I liked yeah. the stretchy arms. That was great. Yeah, and I just think Dr. Teeth, like, you know, quite often when we see the electric mayhem, or certainly in more recent years, like, when you see the electric mayhem, they're always, like, in the background or playing along to a song or something. Like, they don't necessarily get starring roles. So I quite appreciated mm. actually just seeing Dr. Teeth. He's got so much energy, and it's so... Yeah, it is really vibrant. And like when they played with his stretchy arms and everything and there was there was close ups on his hands and stuff because they knew that it looked that good. It does. Yeah, it does. It looks amazing. So I did really enjoy it. But it was afterwards when it went into like the Gone with the Wind and everything. I was just like, what's this episode doing? What? Gone with the Wind <laughs> was so much fun. I think that was my high point of this episode. It was hilarious. It's like, let's just throw on some wind machines and get crazy. I don't know about you two. If I could be in a scene of something, like a nonsensical scene, like to have enormous wind fans blowing in my <laughs> face, like would just be like so much fun. And did you notice that the, the, the sort of, I guess, Scarlett O'Hara, like stand in for this Gone With The Wind number was Animal's dance partner from last week's ballroom uh, sketch where they were throwing themselves from side to side like she's a this, legend this dancer is game she's <laughs> like she's willing to ju- throw herself onto the floor she's willing to lose her wig in a you know in a comedy number blown away by a massive wind machine during a comedy song number she's so game and i wish we knew who she was she is amazing i had not realized that that was the same muppet but that makes a lot of sense because i feel like Maybe she's got the most character development thus far. I know. Other other than Scooter, but I don't want to make you angry, Lewis. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's a, <laughs> she's clearly up for anything. Yeah, she is. I struggled a little bit to get into it to start with because Jim Neighbors was playing it so straight and mm. like so kind of sincere. And I was just like, okay, what's happening here? What's going on? But then also there was one bit when I think it was when she first got blown away the first time. That he kind of broke and he started to smile. And then I was like, I was like, oh no, like now I'm really confused. Because then afterwards, when they cut back, he was playing it really straight again. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it must be pretty hard not to laugh when the Muppets are being ridiculous all around you and you've got wind and leaves and the Muppet Ranch <laughs> is falling down. And there was a lot, <laughs> I mean, definitely. There was a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> I love they were doing the number, it seems, in like Dorothy Gale's Kansas farm. Yes. <laughs> like, like it even sounded like a full on tornado was coming like it's like <laughs> surprising again maybe another reference to his homosexuality he's a friend of dorothy and uh, he's being blown away to the wonderful wizard of oz shortly <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it was it was a lot of fun. And I did when I rewatched it, the way that his voice and the music and the wind all kind of crescendoed together and then obviously ended with the final gag of her wig and everything going. It was a beautiful piece of nonsense. It was lovely. It was great. I loved it. Favorite yeah, it part. was really good. <laughs> Something I would really like to talk about, probably not going to take very long because they were all exceptionally <laughs> short. There were three cute little vignettes that I thought were interesting and especially with the houses, something we haven't seen mm. before in the Disney Plus order of episodes anyway. So we had the little house vignette number. Then there was the newsflash with Billy Lee Boomer, which seems to be becoming a bit of a runner for showcasing this week's guest. Yeah, it's accent showcase. It's accent yes, showcase. It's, it's accent work. It is love accent work. <laughs> and then we also had the danceros, which I thought was, was quite a lot of fun. So let's do them in order for the sake of ease. Yeah, let's do it. The houses. I thought these were really, really cool Muppets. Like I was really... When they first appeared, I was like, oh, this is this is interesting. This is different. Mm. And I wasn't sure how long it was going to be, but I kind of liked that it was really short and sweet and just like this little pop. It reminded me, it reminded, so one, I don't know if it reminded either of you two, it sort of felt a bit Sesame Street. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like the, yeah. the sort of look and mm-hmm. the vibe of it looked a bit sort of like cozy and Sesame Streety. And then two, I feel like I'm referencing a lot of other media today. But the Talking Houses also reminded me of Emma, well, both of you watched 30 Rock, the talking mailbox from (laughs) when they talk about Carrie Fisher's one episode character writes on. Like, she's like, the mailbox sketch that shocked America because it's just like this thing with just a couple of eyeballs. (laughs) It just sort of like (laughs) says a line and then it just falls over. It felt very variety show, inanimate object, becomes sentient, has a pun, and then it ends. You're right, it was quite Sesame Street, other than the fact that it was sort of a lot of greys and browns and definitely not designed in bright technicolour for the children. Learning environment. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Emma, did you guess what the end gag was going to be on the danceros? I'm interested. No. (laughs) I was wondering if anybody else sort of guessed that it was going to be one creature with two pairs of legs. No, I hadn't. I hadn't. Oh, um, no, I didn't have a clue. I I, I thought it was just going to be legs. I didn't realise there was going to be like a little Muppet monster on the top there. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be a minute and a half of legs. And I was like, God, this is such a filler episode. <laughs> but, and then I don't know what it was. I was like, that's going to be one creature. I don't know why I think it is, but it is. And then they panned up to his beautiful little soft head and I just wanted to hug him. I was like, oh, that dancero is adorable. Where do I get a plush version? He was super cute. When when we saw him with his all of his fluff and his big googly eyes, I was like, oh, what a cutie. What a cute little Muppet. No wonder he's Mr. McRitch Uncle's favourite <laughs> act. He's so cute. Benny Vandergast. Benny Vandergast. I'm so sorry. You <laughs> should be. So sorry. <laughs> This is why I don't get booked in the Muppet Theatre, because I don't know who Benny Vandergast is. Don't have the connections, Lewis. I don't. <laughs> don't have the right uncle. No. There were a lot of Statler and Waldorf inserts mm, as well. There was. Which were of varying degrees of successfulness in, in their jokes, I felt like. I quite liked them this week. I didn't mind their, their interactions with Fozzie and everything. I really enjoyed. But there were jokes, like, there was a joke about Jim Neighbours where they joked about him being a good neighbour. Yeah. And it just felt like the first the first joke that anyone would ever make. Do you know I mean? like it's like you need to redraft that. Don't take the first idea to the TV show. <laughs> you need to work on that 
ever so slightly more. Like, just ever so slightly more. I do feel like this episode was very much a first draft kind of episode, <laughs> to be honest. Yes, I think you're right. I think I it was, was the vibe of this episode. <laughs> I suppose what well, if it was the seventh episode made, maybe they're getting a slight amount of burnout, and maybe that's why there was a bit of an over reliance on. Oh, he likes country music. Okay, country, let's do it. Because I felt like compared to Rita Moreno and Sandy Duncan, it felt like he was on screen a lot more than those two were, because a lot of his sketches were all back ended on the episode. He had like a lot where he was just sort of on screen continuously. And I didn't know whether that was just because they were like, oh, he can, like, he's this double threat and he can sing and he can also do the sitcom and whatever. Or whether, (laughs) was he just so famous at the time that they were like, we've got him, we need to put him on screen constantly. See, weirdly, I felt like Sandy Duncan was more of a presence in her episode. So far, I think we've, I saw Sandy Duncan most, then Jim Neighbours, and then Rita Moreno, where I kept, I was like, Where's Rita Moreno? Bring back Rita Moreno. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, actually, if we're just talking about vignette, vignettes, good lord, quickly. Another goddamn ballroom sketch. Oh, my life. I, I Like, every time they start, even Peter, who was watching with me again today, was like, oh, another one of these? And like, just, yeah, I even just wrote in my notes, goddamn ballroom sketch. <laughs> yeah. And it was a horrible joke with a dismembered Muppet head. It was definitely the weirdest one so far. Because the content warning had come, and also we hadn't had the Native American yet, when they did the setup about the Asian flu, I was terrified about what the punchline was going to be. I mean, it was only... (laughs) I was like, oh God, what's going to happen? And please don't let Rolf the dog be about to do a horrible, like, you know, parody Asian accent or something like that. And it was... The punchline was only about fortune cookies, but I was like, like I suddenly felt myself like tense up, being like, oh God. I mean, it still wasn't great. Him saying that he needed to take two fortune cookies was still a bit like, hey, okay, yeah. okay. 1976, everybody. <laughs> I didn't mind the headless and the head. I think that was the only bit of the dancing Muppet that actually made me chuckle. I mean, it wasn't like a full on laugh or anything, but when he said to her, <laughs> that's something I've been looking for all my life. I guess it just played on that, like, it's meant to be romantic, but he's headless, she's a head. I think it was the macabre, yeah. the kind of macabre turn of her head, <laughs> lifeless head to the camera. So we got it very clearly that it's like, this is just a head. Like, it's kind of like this sort of more creepy version of Headless Bill from Muppet's Treasure Island. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> Uh, actually, if we are still talking about, I'm going to get it right this time, vignettes. The UK spot this week. <sighs> Rolf and some other dog singing a song. Can I just talk about that other dog? I've never really thought about Muppet Eyes that much. I guess because we just sort of accept Muppet Eyes as they are because they're so well done. But how weird was it to see that dog's eyes just like flat cardboard? Yeah. Yeah, they were just like stuck on. Yeah, it was bizarre again talk about first draft it's like did you make that muppet in about six minutes because <laughs> it's like they had the muppet but they were like oh crap we haven't sewn any yeah. eyes into him oh just get those glasses they'll be fine <laughs> they weren't even like scooter no. eyes where they're like you know curved a little bit yeah. to give them a bit more 
shape completely they, flat yeah it was bizarre i don't know it really took me out of it and really creeped me out because i was just like you don't look like a normal muppet but also you don't look kind of alive they're normally so good with the eyes mm. like the position of the pupils so that they do look alert and then obviously also having like the roundedness or at least the sort of three-dimensionality to whatever shape they are having them completely flat was just like Ugh, weird it's and really talk about good. flat the song was so freaking dull as well it's like, so dull oh again my notes just right uk spot oh god please end again the americans were lucky to they were lucky <laughs> i'd rather watch commercials <laughs> <laughs> but then we went on to the talk spot with gin neighbors and kermit and miss piggy which we've already kind of touched on he's a gemini <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did find out that um, Kermit was a Taurus because he's a bullfrog. Hey, he's a bullfrog. Waka waka. Waka waka. <laughs> I did enjoy that. Although now it just makes me want to like find out all the other Muppet star signs. Like, yes. just... <laughs> we also got a bit of Piggy's backstory in there too because she said that she wasn't born under anything but she was born over Becca's butcher shop and she got out <laughs> as quick as she could. <laughs> which... <laughs> It's pretty amazing. That was funny. <laughs> the idea that Piggy would have to like escape as a young piglet by night. Like, From a butcher's. Start, make her way on the star circuit. <laughs> yeah, I felt like, again, we were starting to see a bit more of Miss Piggy as Miss Piggy with the throwing herself on him. And Definitely. she was genuinely, she was completely turned on when he started singing. Uh, she was just, it almost felt like she was going to be like, shut the cameras down. <laughs> I need a moment. Shut, like, shut the cameras down. <laughs> Cut the cameras, dead ass. <laughs> I mean, and you know, regardless of the fact that she obviously didn't realise he was gay, which is totally fine. No, it's perfect. It's Judy. It's Judy Garland throwing herself at Vincent Minnelli. Like, think of the gay icon we could have had if Jim Neighbors and Miss Piggy had made it. Like. <laughs> Like part felt, part human, part pig. (laughs) Oh God. It would have been like an even gayer Dolly Parton. (laughs) Oh no, I think that there's a reason that didn't happen, Lewis. That could like spontaneously combust at any moment, I think, like as a concept. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. I feel like we haven't really spoken about Fozzie an awful lot on the podcast yet. For good reason, because... no. He's not really fully formed Fuzzy Bear, I don't think, in these early episodes. And quite frankly, he's really mm. not hilariously funny, which these days I think Fuzzy is usually pretty consistently amusing, but he's not kind of found that, found those rhythms yet. But I think in this episode, you start to see him come out a little bit more, but you also see Statler and Waldorf being more amusing and that heckling relationship oh and then you also have that whole oh yeah yeah bit that goes on for way too long but let's not worry about that i didn't mind it this was the first time for me that the fozzy and wardoff and statler material kind of properly landed Mm -hmm. because it actually had enough time to sort of build up the back and forth i i actually really quite liked this one this is the first time where i sort of like ooh, this feels kind of right Actually, the thing that I've been sort of noticing, maybe only in just these first three episodes, is that actually Kermit and Fozzie's relationship yes. doesn't feel quite right yeah. yet. Like Kermit keeps making jokes, putting down Fozzie, whereas the sort of relationship that I sort of understand them to have is that 
Kermit likes Fozzie and so he keeps giving him a chance because he wants his friend to do well rather than Kermit in this feeling like he's lumbered with a bad comedian. And just in general, Kermit's a supportive frog. Mm. He supports everyone to do what they want to do and to pursue their passion. He's not there to put people down or to make jokes at their expense. Yeah, it felt... It did feel really weird when he made that joke about how would you know if Scooter's jokes are awful. I was like, yeah. oh, Kermit, you're mean. Like, where'd that come from? Jade, it's because he's a Taurus. That's why. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. It's a big old mean bullfrog Taurus. Yeah. Now, just before we get to the bit that follows, there was a tiny bit with Fozzy Bear where he noticed that what's up with Scooter. But again, maybe this is why I was connecting with Fozzie more this episode, because he understood it was unfair <laughs> that Scooter was in this job. Because he was like, why is this person here? <laughs> anyway, that's fine. I'm done. That's all I need. <laughs> I was going to say, are you, are you okay now? <laughs> I don't know, okay? <laughs> episode brought up a lot of feelings, okay? I'm thinking about Jim Neighbors and his marriage, not marriage to <laughs> Rock Hudson. I'm thinking about privilege. like it's, it's There's all... a whole lot going on. There is. <laughs> oh, dear. The bakery sketch. <sighs> Did you two not? I, like... To me, this is typical Muppets. Like, this is typical Muppets. Play on words. Playing with Jim Neighbors' accent and <laughs> creating crazy Muppets to, to fit in with whatever the, the running gag is. I didn't mind it. Yeah, I mean, I did wonder when, the like, the rats, whether we were going to see, like, an early incarnation of Rizzo. But mm. no, it was just a really weird whack. A, a, <laughs> oh, go on. Ever so using a whack. <laughs> <laughs> A wet. <laughs> I thought I thought a putty wet. <laughs> I thought I thought a putty cat. Oh no, it was just a really. Weird, I can't say. God, that. yeah, it's quick. we're keeping this in. We're Fine. keeping it. In. This is staying in, Emma. It has to stay in now. It's comedy gold. <laughs> Come on, you can say it. You can God, say Emma, rat. God. Really weird rat. It was just a really. No, go I on, can't do, it, do it. it. I'm like psyching myself <laughs> out. No, come on, please. It was a really weird rat. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it was a really weird rat. Like it just squeaked once. I think I wasn't with this sketch because immediately I was like, "Why does a bakery need a security guard?" <laughs> It was a super weird premise. So that you can get to the eventual yeah, why couldn't eventual just... punchline Ugh. of raising dough. Ba-boom ching. The absurdity curve was already at a, 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 an 11 before it even began, before we got the hens. Peter did like this sketch, I'm going to say. But, uh, <laughs> but he loves puns and he grew up on a farm. So, you know, like... I mean, I, again, as I said before, I'm not a huge pun fan, but I do think the Muppets do it really well. And... I guess I'd rather watch this in a way than the final song about him being a thank God I'm a country boy. <laughs> like I just Did you know he's a country boy? If you didn't, you do now. <laughs> Are you aware that Jim Neighbors he's a country boy? He's from the country. I think it's like thank God I'm a country boy. Thank God it's nearly over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean we had it all. We had like grits, griddles. Fiddles, a barn, hay. I wondered if the uh, one of the content warnings might have been for these sort of like hick Muppets as well. <laughs> I couldn't tell whether maybe these were like culturally no longer appropriate either. Like there was one like playing its uh, jug like the... <laughs> like, just... Did you notice that several of the hick Muppets only had one tooth? 
I was like, Ooh. I was like, oh my god, they've only got one tooth. Or like, yeah, just <laughs> That's like no, not... <laughs> no very distinct eyes, lots of facial hair. Like, did one of them have an eye patch? Like, <laughs> I think maybe. I think maybe. It was just like, I was looking at them and I was like, they're clearly like country bumpkin. Some of them even looked a little bit like garden gnomes. And then I noticed that at least two of them only had one tooth and I was like, oh no, <laughs> was like, this, is, this is bad. There was also some bad fake fiddle playing by Jim Neighbours. That was some half-assed fake fiddle playing. The bad fake fiddle playing? That's a tongue twister. <laughs> Go on, Emma, try saying that. Go on. No. <laughs> Go on, please. It's please. not happening. No. Um, <laughs> move on. That was bad enough. But the other bit that really got me at the start of the song was the... The chickens and stuff at the back were meant to be clapping along or drumming along and they were completely out of time, which I just found massively distracting because they were almost like completely off the beat. And I was like, what is this? Like, you're meant to be premier Muppet performers here. Like, please just find the beat and stick to it. Like, oh. They're hick chickens. They're hickens. (laughs) They don't know. (laughs) They're they're in character. It's like Janice in episode one choosing an accent for (laughs) veterinary hospital. They're committing to the role. Well, they're letting gym neighbours down. Do you know what I mean? Because thank God he's a country boy and uh, he he just wanted to play his fiddle and get his grits on the griddle, you know? like Cakes on the griddle. Cakes on on the the griddle. griddle, Sorry. (laughs) I think Dolly Parton covered this song really i I feel like i'm pretty sure i have heard dolly parton you've heard her say cakes on a griddle i know yeah like helms burn (laughs) i just want to mention one other thing about this because i needed to rewind it to listen to it he says a line about jewels but because of his accent i thought he was saying jews and then what also follows him saying jewels is something about being money hungry. <gasps> so I think we're pretty much in that area, even if he does actually say jewels. Because I was still, I was still very much on the lookout for those content warning issues, you know. Yeah. And uh, mm, yes, mm, dicey lyrics at best, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this whole episode was just a bit dicey. <laughs> full stop. Should we move on to our MVMP of the week? Yes, Lewis, do you want to go first? Well, sure as hell ain't Scooter. I think I've made that <laughs> pretty damn clear. Um, who would be my... Do you know what? I'm going to choose the Dancero. The sketch I thought was fine, but when they panned up to that adorable fuzzy face and his big mouth and the googly <laughs> eyes, I immediately just sort of went, oh. And, so, and also because it took two kind of like puppeteering things to make him happen. So I'm going to say the Dancero. Danceros, plural, singular, <laughs> however they choose to identify. Emma, who was your MVMP? I think I'm going to have to say Statler and Wardoff, purely because I think they carried a lot of the episode. Yes, some of their gags didn't particularly land, but some of them did. And I think they actually found their pace a lot more in this yeah. episode. And their interaction with like Fozzie, I just think that they kind of came into their own a bit today. So I think they're going to be my most valued Muppet performer for this episode. Jade, how about you? Oh, I don't know. I feel like it was such a mixed bag of an episode. Like I really struggled to pick a Muppet that really stood out. I feel like maybe, Lewis, you've swayed me when you said that the little Muppet who lost her wig was the Muppet <gasps> oh from my last God, week who did the falling over. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I think I might have to go with her because I think she's 
she's bringing a lot to the cast she in is. general. She's really rocking it. Last week she made me giggle. This week she's made me giggle. So I'm going to go with unknown wigless Muppet. <laughs> Chorus girl. Um, I will try and find out her name. <laughs> I think it's important. <laughs> Jade, do you have your uh, rating for the episode as well? Yeah. Oh, this is a tough one again because I just sort of feel like it was very, very mixed. But I'm going to go for five out of ten Becker's Butcher Shops. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, you know, there were some high points. I did enjoy the puns in the bakery sketch. Jim Neighbours clearly has a very good singing voice. Did you realise that? And... I thought it was a bit honking, but anyway, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> um, Overall, this has definitely been my least, least favourite of the three so far. So yeah. five out of ten Becker's Butcher Shops. Emma, how about you? How do you rate this episode? Well, again, I kind of, I didn't feel it was the strongest of episodes, um, so I decided to give it five out of ten buckets full of ducats. <laughs> I love it. Right? I know. Yeah. It just, it felt really a bit disjointed. It didn't have quite a good flow to it. And yes, there were some definite high points, but I don't know. It did feel a bit like it was dialed in this week. So yeah, I'm going to say five out of ten. How about you, Lewis? Uh, I think I'm also going to go for a five. I'm going to do five cakes on the griddle out of ten. (laughs) (laughs) I think, honestly, it might have even been close to a four. And the only reason I'm going to a five is because Jim Neighbours is gay. So I'm just (laughs) giving it a bonus point, to be honest. Um, I love the Gone with the Wind. But yeah, it just all didn't quite gel together. And I hate Scooter now, apparently. And he is going to have to win me back over the rest of this season. For me to come round to his uh, necessity in the Muppet troupe. Jade, do you want to give us our weekly Muppet philosophy? I've got a fun one this week. So again, this is taken from Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones. And a quote from Henson that I, I really liked was, A child's use of imagination and fantasy blends into his use of creativity. The trick is to try out whole new directions. There are many ways of doing something. Look for what no one has tried before. And I've got to say that nobody had tried to do a security guard in a bakery before. So (laughs) kudos, Jim Neighbours. Breaking down doors (laughs) in all senses of the word. Thank you so much for listening to Muppet Sational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppet Sational on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. You can contact us at hi-ho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. That's all for this week. Join us again for another episode of Muppetational. I've been Lewis Chandler. I've been Jade Turner. And I've been Emma Chandler. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Our theme music is Pepe Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. Jim Neighbours is from the country.